Just some housekeeping before we start this week's episode. I was planning on talking about Palestine this week. I've been sharing others' videos, as well as videos coming straight from Gaza and West Bank, and learning about Palestine since October 7th, though I wish I would have turned my attention to them much sooner. I've reached out to a few creators who are much more well-versed with this knowledge than I am, hoping to have them on as a guest so I could ask questions to make sure I was not misunderstanding or providing false information by accident. At this time, I have not heard back and so have decided to push it back a week, both to make sure I'm doing the topic justice as the amount of information is staggering and in hopes that I can get someone on the show. Either way, next week on November 22nd, I will be releasing an episode on Palestine. I realize this is the day before Thanksgiving, but for myself, I do not celebrate. It is just another day. On this episode of Just an Avocado White Woman, we're going to be talking about poverty and homelessness. This topic is actually going to be spread across multiple episodes as I'm going to tackle it in multiple different ways. I'm currently reading a book entitled Broken America, Seeing, Understanding, and Ending U.S. Poverty by Joanne Samuel Goldblum and Colleen Shaddix. And as I've been reading it, to say that I've been angry has got to be an understatement. I'm sure it comes as no surprise to most people out there that poverty is closer for most of us than we would like to admit that we live paycheck to paycheck, and that one bad car accident or one major thing in our house that we need to fix, like the roof or the electric, can put us in the position of choosing between eating or paying the rent or the mortgage. And for those with kids, that's never an easy decision. But the way most of us understand poverty is in a simplistic way. You just don't have the money to pay for what you need and it's just not that simple. There are barriers that exist, and sometimes those barriers are simply prejudice of others. So you'll have families who need to go to a food bank, not going, because they're afraid of what their neighbors will think. There is so much stigma around receiving help that instead of getting food they need, someone would rather go hungry, and that is simply just not right. Recently, the New York Times ran an article about parking lots that were opening for people who were living out of their cars, and the author had the audacity to term this affordable housing. Well, let's call it what it is. These people are homeless. And according to the poverty guidelines of the U.S. for one person, which is $14,580, If you live in the contiguous United States, there should be no reason she's having any issues as she makes $72,000 a year. But let's be realistic. We all know that the poverty guidelines for the U.S. are bullshit, since their methodology for calculating poverty are still based in 1963 when fewer women worked outside the home and childcare wasn't a necessity. So back to the book I've been reading, which is linked in my link tree under poverty and homelessness if you'd like to purchase. I would like to take it chapter by chapter 
and break it down and also include other resources that I've found along the way. So join me in my journey as I learn more about poverty and I hope you will too. A disclaimer, while I will be summarizing a lot of the book here, I will also be throwing in my own commentary and other sources, which I will try to make clear. So please buy and read the book if you want all of the information as presented by the original authors. Chapter 1. Seeing U.S. Poverty. Throwing out the caricature. Poverty used to be largely invisible to most people, since poor communities are typically isolated from those upper income classes. When those from different economic status did see someone who was poor, they would buy into blaming the people and not the systems that got them there, portraying them as lazy, addicts, or in some other way flawed. There was a study done about the conception of poverty and most people form their views from media. The issue with this is that the view that is shown is never truthful. Expert Stephen Pimper writes in a blog post entitled The Poverty of American Film, quote, there is almost never a sense of the political and economic forces that create poverty and make it a common occurrence. Blaming people for their poverty serves a function, obviating the need for policy change or reallocation of resources. It relieves us, the viewer, of the obligation to press public institutions to operate more equitably. It reassures us that the world is as it is for a reason, and even if things are grim for some, is ultimately their own fault or the hand of God. There is, either way, nothing to be done." Unquote. We also know that due to the inherent white supremacy that exists in the U.S. today, any journalist or filmmaker is going to approach their view of poverty with an inherent bias. And this goes all the way back to Ronald Reagan in 1976 when he coined the term welfare queen. While there was a black woman who did fraudulently collect large sums of food stamps, veterans benefits, and other government payments, the scenario is far from typical. Yet suddenly, she was the quote-unquote typical person on welfare because it fit their narrative. In fact, most Americans in poverty are white, according to census data, and please Take this with a grain of salt, as we've already established that the numbers for poverty, according to the U.S. government, are a crock of shit. 18 million are white, 11 million Hispanics, and 8.6 million African Americans. And let me be clear when I say take that with a grain of salt. There are likely way more people in poverty than the U.S. government says. If you're looking at children, one in every five children live in poverty. And this really angers me, especially when I hear of the government cutting more funding for school lunch programs, or you see people posting those feel-good stories of a child raising money for their classmates to pay off their lunch debt so they can eat again. This really shouldn't be a thing. These stories shouldn't make us feel warm and fuzzy, 
They should make us angry. Should make us get upset that children are having to do this in the first place. Okay, back to the book. White people are the largest group receiving SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or what used to be called food stamps, which has a total of 39.7 million recipients, and also Medicaid that has 70.6 million enrolled. The white people are the ones receiving the benefits at a higher rate. Depictions of people in poverty are still inherently on people of color and play into stereotypes and prejudices. So what I found I like about the book is how they're measuring poverty. It's simpler than just the same number applied to every person as the U.S. government does because we all know that doesn't work. It won't even work for two families living an hour apart sometimes. Their definition, poverty is when a person cannot afford to meet basic needs. A decent guideline has been set up by the Center for Women's Welfare called the Self-Sufficiency Standard and it's based on basic needs budget that varies by community. So why is there so much disparity between what we need and what we have? Corporate greed. The book doesn't put it this way, but I am. Let me share some numbers with you. Gross domestic product grew in 17 of the last 20 years. CEOs pay rose 940% between 1978 and 2018. Workers pay rose only 12% between 1978 and 2018. Rent between 1978 and 2018 rose approximately 45%. Healthcare costs between 1984 and 2018 rose 101%. When I was in high school in the early 2000s, all I remember hearing is, go to college. You can't have a good job without college. It was something that was thrust in our faces. Yet a good degree doesn't guarantee you a job. There are 3.3 million bachelor's degree holders in poverty, and that's according to the U.S. Census Bureau. So where do we go from here? We need to stop stigmatizing those who need the help and perpetuating the racism, and ultimately, we need to change the policies. But each topic, as it's presented in the book, will cover quite well as it pertains to poverty, and it even expands on each to show how it perpetuates it, doesn't end there. The intersectionality of each of these topics into all of our lives is so broad that going through the book and co combining other resources I found will each take an episode in itself. Next week on Just an Avocado White Woman, we'll talk about the history and occupation of Palestine.